Hello and welcome to episode 100 of the Ego Chop Podcast. My name is Preston Byers and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Justin Binkowski. And on today's episode, we are, we're going to talk about a lot, but we first want to just say how happy we are to actually have gotten to 100 episodes, which is an incredible feat. Who, who thought that we could actually get to 100 uh, after over two years now? Um, so, you know, we're obviously going to celebrate that a little bit, especially at the end of the show. Maybe we'll talk about some of our favorite moments or something like that. But um, we have a ton of CDL action to talk about, um, including um, a, a big match between Optic and Seattle, the, the Illy Revenge game that we were talking about last week, um, and a bunch of other matches. Um, and then we'll also check in on our tier lists uh, now that we are heading into the holiday break for the CDL. We'll be without any Call of Duty League action for several weeks. Um, so we'll be talking about that as well. But before we get to any of that, how are you doing, Bink? I'm doing all right, like you said. Uh, the big 100, happy to be here. Uh, definitely been journey, and here's to another 100 more. But, you know, ready to talk about what we just saw this past weekend. What better way to start off our 100th episode than talking about the Legion, uh, the, a team that has really defined the Ego Chow podcast throughout the years, whether they were in Paris or now in Las Vegas. They kicked off the last week of the CDL um, on Friday, December 15th against one of the newer iterations of a CDL franchise, the Miami Heretics, um, the the Vamos boys, you know, the, the guys that literally there's only one word to describe them, and that is Vamos. Um, and so that was a big match to start off the week after Miami had a very impressive uh, opening week in the CDL. Um, and Miami ended up winning this match 3-1. Uh, something you predicted, something I did not. I, I was rocking with Vegas after a, a relatively strong start um, to the CDL. Um, your thoughts on this series and Miami uh, staying undefeated? Yeah, I mean, it definitely could have gone Vegas's way uh, based on the first couple of maps. And, you know, initially um, Vegas is able to take map one terminal hard point, and then they have a 5-2 lead in the map two search, but, mm -hmm. uh, Miami pulls off a 5-2 comeback there, and from that point on, the, uh, you know, took control of the series. They were a lot of close maps, though, so it went 6-5 in the invasion search, 3-2 in the invasion control, and 250 to 214 in invasion hard point to round out this series, so, uh, very close maps again, as we've mentioned, since this kind of started, it could be start of the season stuff. It feels like we've had a lot of close uh, individual map scores across all the series, no matter which two teams are facing off. Um, but in this case, yeah, this is one. It could have went Vegas's way if they were able to close out that, you know, the map two S&D, who knows what happens. But uh, the Vamos boys showed up and, you know, made that comeback and took took control of the series from that point on. Yeah, this is another series where Vegas definitely could have won. Um, they had that kind of breakdown against uh, Carolina last week. Um, definitely a, a series that they would want back. And again, like you said, uh, this would be another one to lose a round 11 in search, to lose a round five in control, and you know a 36-point difference in the, the last hard point. Like This is a very winnable series uh, for Vegas. Um, it just didn't happen that way. Uh, medals, though, should be uh, commended. A 1.42 KD in this series. Um, he had a, you know, obviously the, the first map wasn't uh, anything to write home about in terms of kills. Um, but in map three, 32 kills. Uh, map four, game high, 29 and 17 KD. Nearly 5K damage. Definitely um, a really big series from medals uh, from the Heretics. Next series, LATE versus Boston. I don't know if you can consider this a slasher revenge match just because slasher's been a little bit removed um, from the LAT guys, but definitely a, another match I was pretty interested in because LAT was a little disappointing in the opening week. Um, I think Boston was uh, right about where we slotted them, um, but this was going to be a good gauge for both teams, kind of where they are heading into uh, you know the the off or the holiday break, and then uh, getting into like the second half of the first stage. Um, so this was going to be a, a big match either way uh, for these teams. And LAT came out and won this 3-0. Um, it wasn't you know that lopsided it wasn't a, a completely dominant performance um throughout the series um but it definitely wasn't like 
you know, as close as you you might have expected uh, between two teams that I certainly thought were, you know, middle of the road uh, around the same skill level heading in. Uh, was that your take as well? Was this a little more lopsided than you were expecting? Um, I, I probably would have expected a map or two out of Boston, sure. But um, now at this time in the weekend, it might have been a little confusing after what happens on Sunday that we'll get to later. Uh, this one kind of doesn't make <laughs> much sense at all. But uh, re regardless, uh, you know, LAT came out and took care of business. The, the one thing that stood out to me was we had another comeback in the uh, – the game to S and D on this Friday, where uh, Boston was up 4-0, and then LAT won six straight rounds to take that map. So um, another comeback leading to victory. Uh, this was the first of many 3-0s this weekend. So um, common theme throughout the second week of uh, qualifiers here, where we see a lot of 3-0s, despite, like you said, still some close individual score lines in, in the games. You know, a 60-point hard point, a two-round in the S and D. 3-1 in the control, so weren't necessarily blowouts in the individual maps, but a 3-0 is a 3-0 at the end of the day. The most interesting match, I think, of the entire weekend, uh, the match that everyone seemed to be looking forward to, Seattle versus Optic. Seattle looked very, very good in week one, and of course, this was the Illy Revenge game. Illy, formerly a member of Optic Texas, won a world championship uh, with the Dallas Empire, which obviously became Optic Texas, uh, won that championship with Shotzi. Uh, so for these two um, to face off and then Pred to play against Seattle after spending the last two seasons with the Surge, I think there was just a lot of storylines uh, heading into this one. And I think overall, Illy did play well. Um, he ended up with the highest KD uh, on Seattle with a 1.23 series KD, um, and nobody else finished um, even above a 0.87 on his team. Um, and it ended up going Optic's way. This series was 3-1 for Optic Texas. Um you know, a 30-point hardpoint game to start off uh, a 6-3 search win, which is big for Optic to win search. Um, and then Seattle wins the control but loses terminal hardpoint to finish out the series. What stood out to you, um, you know, was it Illy's performance? Obviously, Kenny had some uh, strong performances as well. What stood out to you in this game or in this match? Yeah, I mean, I was one who was you know, on board with the, the Illy revenge game narrative and obviously didn't work out that way. Um, but certainly the, the first thing that jumped out to me right away was uh, Kenny's game-winning play in the map one. Um, I, I wanted to go back and watch, but I didn't. But uh, he essentially, like, snuck through towards that P5, which is in the back cargo uh, area there on Skid Row, and he somehow snuck past Seattle, was able to get behind them in the upper crate, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, get some kills out of there. They kind of threw everything out of chaos, and Optic was able to win from there. So that was a really good play. Uh, Might have had some, you know, fortunate timing on his side, but, you know, COD timing is gives and COD timing takes. So um, that that was the, the highlight moment for me in game one. And then game two just had, you know, a... a the battering of, of highlight reel moments there from Adashi posting a 1v3. Uh, Abuza had a ninja defuse that Kenny ended up joking about earlier, uh, later. And then I believe it was in the round 11, or it wasn't round 11, no, but in the final round uh, of the, yeah, in the final round there, Shotzi had an ace to wrap things up. Um, and speaking of Shotzi, there was, uh, you know, I, I, think it was in the uh, post-game interview or something along those lines, but um, <laughs> he basically had the quote saying, I didn't do anything today, and, and that's inevitably going to be something that uh, is shared around the, the COD Twitter sphere and social media for uh, many months to come, so that was fun, but um, yeah, it was definitely a uh, interesting series. I, you know, It would have been cool if it went down to Game 5, Round 11 or 8, but I, uh, I think in the end, this was a revenge game that didn't go Seattle's way. This was something we, we talked about with Seattle's tough schedule this week. This was, even though they had the 2-0 start, it was going to be a tough match to kind of gauge where they were here. Um, they just they weren't able to get the job done against Optic, and um, it was back to the drawing board for another tough match the following day. Yeah, uh, Pred had a really good series overall. He had a 1.32 series KD. Um I think he, you know he was definitely the most consistent 
of any of the optic players in this series uh, he ended up dropping 25 in map three uh, game high 21 in map four i think he had 10 in the search as well so um, really strong performance from him he had three first bloods um, in that search um, just a really really good game uh, for him against his former team Saturday, December 16th, we had four matches, the first of which starting off with the Miami Heretics again against the Minnesota Rocker. Uh, the Heretics win again, stay undefeated, uh, You know, are one of the only undefeated teams heading into the holiday break, something I don't think a lot of people probably expected out of them considering uh, quite a few of them have not played in uh, the CDL or the CWL in many years. Um, so just a really surprising performance uh, in terms of you know their overall record. Uh, but this was something that we both thought, you know, we both predicted that Miami would beat Minnesota. Uh, and now Minnesota, um, I don't think they had another match this weekend. So they enter the holiday break as the only winless team in the CDL. What do you make of these two teams heading into this extended break that we have in the uh, COD League schedule? Yeah, I mean, not not really much to say about Minnesota, to be honest. Um, I mean, just, you know, things haven't gone their way to start. They definitely have some potential there, um, but going to see, going to have to see how they're able to, you know, bounce back and whatnot after we get back from the holiday break. Um, it was, though, in, in this series in particular, kind of mirrored uh, Miami's first series there against Vegas where they dropped the map one terminal and they win the next three. Uh, this one, the game one, was kind of just a wacky ending. I remember it might have been, I, I can't remember who it was. I want to say Journey or Medals, but, I mean, that's just guessing 50% of the roster anyway. But somebody on uh, that map one made like a had like a three-piece by... Uh, the non-plane bombsite, I think, B bombsite, or now I can't even think of the bombsite, but the, <laughs> the one by the plants and whatever there, yeah. close to the hallway. Um, they got to kill people on the, near the escalators in the couch corner. That kind of set them up for a P1. Then there was a contest fest there and a little bit of P1. And I, th I thought, you know, I remember like editing the note, like saying like that was a game-winning play by Miami, but then Minnesota was able to contest enough time, send it to a P2 where they were able to close things out there. So it was just a really back-and-forth ending that was high octane. Uh, really liked that. But then from that point on, it was really, um, you know, another series with with close individual scores. But Miami just wins those last the next three to get the job done. Six four on terminal, search. Uh, three two invasion control and two fifty to two seventeen on sub base hardpoint, uh, where Journey it was the first player but not the only player uh, to hit uh, forty kills in a hardpoint in MW three to uh, set the record for the time being, um, for this season at least. And yeah, so I mean it it might be a little, you know, critical to look at Minnesota and say they haven't won a series, but I mean again. All of the all four of these maps are extremely close in this series, even the one they won, and that's against a team that's undefeated thus far. So, um, just really close games seems to be a common theme early in MW3, despite the the subjective power level of, of each individual team and who they're going up against and whatnot. So, uh, definitely going to be a, a common trend that I'm going to see. You know how long that lasts before teams start to separate themselves and whatnot. Um, but definitely, you know, you can talk about strength of schedule and all that stuff, but regardless, Miami started 3-0. Uh, and They have not lost a search and destroyer control yet on the season. And, uh, they, you know, we'll, we'll have to see how they square up against some of these quote-unquote contenders. But for now, they are taking care of business against the teams put in front of them. And, uh, you know, if you're a fan of the Vamos, that's uh, what you want to see. Yeah, that's a recipe for success, especially just getting into winner's bracket of those majors, which is obviously very important. And as far as Minnesota goes, um, they lost 3-2 to Vegas um, in their first match. Then they lost to Optic, which um, no shame in losing to Optic. I, d I don't think that many people would expect Minnesota to win that match. And like you said, Heretics have looked very strong early on this season. Um, so maybe this is not really that bad of a sign that they're 0-3. Obviously not great. Nobody wants to be in that position, but it might not be all doom and gloom and the worst thing in the world like some people uh, might imagine it to be. Next match, we had Vegas versus New York. Not not much here, to be honest. I think we both expected New York to beat uh, Vegas, um, and then Vegas obviously going 0-2 on the week after losing to Heretics in the um, 
the first match of the week. Um, you know, it wasn't like the uh, the most wide series. It was uh, a 41-point win on hard point. Uh, it went to 10 rounds in, on Skid Road Search, and then a 3-1 victory for New York in control. Um, but nothing really to, to write home about except Hydra going for 67 kills in this series, a 1.68 in the series. Um, he's looked very, very strong this season, um, trying to maybe go back-to-back with the MVP. He was 26-17 and 17 in that first hard point, 29-17 and 17 in the control, and 12-6 and 6 in the search, the only player to reach double figures. He had three first bloods, which was the most of any player uh, in the server as well. Um, any thoughts or, or opinions on New York's win um, moving to uh, 3-0 and on the season? No, I'm just gonna it might sound like a broken record, but I mean this is another example here, right? You got the defending world champions against a team that wasn't even at champs last year. Mm-hmm. No, it's obviously different lineups for both teams, but just for the sake of the example, it's two teams that you 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 know naturally probably have on different spectrums heading into the season. And even though it's a three O in the series, all three maps are, are relatively close. You know, forty one point win in the hard point, six four in the search, three one in the control. So it might look like a blowout in, you know, just the context of seeing it's a 3-0, but when you look at the individual map scores, it's, again, very close, and we're just going to have to keep on seeing if that's a common trend with this game or, you know, what the case may be. You know, we the thing that comes to mind for me is, like, in Vanguard, we used to talk about the coin flip nature of, of teams like Seattle and, you know, a lot of teams, for instance, where it would just, you know, some weeks it would, they'd be on, other weeks they wouldn't, and... Um, you know, maybe this is MW3's thing is just it, it leads to extremely close games no matter which two teams are playing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we'll have to see if that's the case, but it certainly looks like a very early on. But again, it's early, so we'll give it some more time before we make any definitive claims like that. But for now, yeah, this is a really uh, impressive showing out of Hydra. And, uh, you know, you, you say 67 kills there to, to put that into context. The next highest is 46 from Kismet. And Nero had 44 on Vegas to lead the way. So he's over. Hydra had more than 20 kills to the next closest in the series. So strong performance out of him to, uh, you know, keep things going in the right direction for the defending champs. Next match, Seattle versus Atlanta. This was a match I was really looking forward to, especially, you know, if Seattle had beaten Optic, I think it would have been an even bigger match of the weekend. But um, these two teams have matched up really well in the past, of course, uh, Seattle with um, you know a much different roster, uh, like you just mentioned, and then FaZe having a, a slightly different roster as well. Um, but this this was a, a three one win for Atlanta, but this uh, the surge won search, which was a little odd because the surge had uh, lost to Optic in search the first series of the weekend. They won both of their searches the first week uh, of the CDL, um, and then they end up beating FaZe in search um your thoughts on this series as a whole and and especially that search win for seattle or search loss for phase yeah if i remember i think draza had an off game in the search yeah two Um, and nine in that in that game yeah that sounds right so um you know maybe maybe that's just what it comes down to but uh it definitely is so you know you you think about historic matchups here between the seattle teams that you really had Phase's number and stuff, it felt like Seattle was taking those respawns. Phase uh, was able to stick in it with the search, force the game five, and try to win in the game five. Sometimes they didn't, sometimes they did, but um, yeah, you still think of Phase as a search team nonetheless. So this just, you know, might just be a, a, a small crack in the armor, but, you know, you expect them to bounce back. And if they're winning the respawns, it doesn't really matter if they just drop the one search, but it is something we'll, we'll keep an eye on for Phase going forward to see. Um, what's going on with their search? It isn't, you know, although they have the, um, you know, the core trio there, Cell, Simp, and Abizi, inserting a new player could uh, mess with some of the pacing for search and, you know, draws like getting alchemied, Tupac system and whatnot. Um, could be some growing pains there, but I, I don't think it's any red flags or anything like that. Um, Atlanta still gets the job done. And uh, an 0 2 week for Seattle going up against. Uh, Atlanta and Optic after a strong week where, you know, they didn't play Atlanta and Optic, but 
you know, they started 2-0, and now they're they're 2-2. Two and two, So, um, you know, we'll we'll just have to see. I guess that's a good gauge of where they are. Um, but we'll we'll have to continue to see how this team performs. I still think um, the big thing for them is that it does, uh, that, like we said before, the meta does suit that squad in terms of being able to run three ARs on a lot of maps. So, um, yeah, I, I guess it, it's unfortunate for Seattle, but um, I still think team showed some potential. And again, these maps were close. Um, regardless so we'll we'll have to you know just see what comes next after the holiday break yeah small sample size but they're three and five in hard point and that that could be an issue um if if they can't get that going because hard point is such an important game mode um but i will say with search uh, that was the first high rise search played between uh, for either of these teams um previously phase were three and oh in search uh, they had played uh twice on invasion and once on karachi won all three of those maps and for seattle um they had lost their only match uh, only map on karachi against optic and then they were two and oh on terminal so it's we're also getting a, a good feel for how these teams play on certain search maps obviously that's a really big key to a, a lot of these series um whether they're good matchups for each other or not so we'll keep an eye on that um as we progress forward into um this season so T toronto and carolina finished out saturday's matches um, the Clayster versus Scrappy Bowl, as you uh, put in the notes, um, definitely the the only reason that this match should have been on last. Um, the feud that has been budding between Scrappy, who won Rookie of the Year last year, and Clayster, who had his rookie season when Vince Lombardi was the the coach of the Green Bay Packers, um, pretty much. So um, it's been a while for Clayster, but he he has a no, a new rival. It did not go well for him um, and the Carolina Royal Ravens in this series. They lose 3-0 to the Toronto Ultra. Um, wasn't particularly close in this uh, series. Uh, it was a, a pretty lopsided hard point win for Toronto. 6-2 on Skid Row SND and 3-1 Karachi Control, which uh, that was the second win for Toronto and the second loss for Carolina. Uh, Clayster, he did have um, tied for the most kills on his team, I guess, is something to look forward to. He had the most damage, so um, that's a, a moral victory. Scrap had a 1.2 KD, which is is good for him as well. Um, any takeaways from Scrappy versus Clayster in this series? I mean, the big one was really the end result. Um you know, in the post game interview we, we got some spicy uh some quotes out of Clay or out of Scrappy uh saying, you know, some choice words for you know essentially saying he didn't think this matchup was worth hyping up in any regard or uh, you know, immediately after the match flipping the double bird to the camera. Um it was definitely an interesting one post game that you should definitely check out if you weren't able to watch it. But yeah, I mean this was kind of what we expected out of this matchup, despite you know the banter going back and forth online ahead of the sh uh, the showdown and all the stuff in the preseason. Um, especially heading into this game, Toronto looked really strong and had played really well. Um, something essentially happens on Sunday that you know might raise some questions, but we'll get to there very soon. Very soon. Well, uh, since the next match was the Carolina versus Optic game, uh, Optic match. That was super lopsided. It was 3-0 for Optic. None of those maps were remotely close. Um, the lowest KD on Optic was a 1.35 in that series, which was Shotzi. Um, and he did not go negative in any series. He was 18-18 in that first map, and that was really his worst game. He went 8-3 and three, and then 20-13, and 13, and he had the lowest KD. Pred um, dropped 27 on map 3, which was four more than Goddard had all series. That was one more than Real had all series. So just um, as lopsided as you can pretty much get uh, in a series. And after that match... Uh, I think it was Pred, he tweeted a picture of Miami Heat LeBron um, saying like he pretty much went beast mode in that series. And then Scrap was like, it's Carolina, relax, or something like that. So he was he was going at Carolina again um, on, on Twitter. 
Um, any thoughts on this uh, for Optic beating Carolina in uh, definitely the most lopsided game that we've seen so far this season? That's all I was going to say, really. This is not an example of everything that uh, we've been talking about earlier. Um in terms of three O's that are close individually map-wise, this was just a stomp all across the board. Uh, notably, you're talking about Garderix's struggles. He he tweeted uh, after the match or on December 17th, uh, didn't even spawn in that series, no excuses whatsoever, played terrible these last four matches. I have to be better, simple as that. I think that's a, you know, you know pretty straightforward testament there to, you know, he's going to have to try to turn things around. We've talked about him. Uh, me in particular, I was pretty excited to see him get another shot here in the CDL, and it really hasn't gone the way he probably would have hoped. So uh, going to have to try and figure something out here over this holiday break and uh, try and turn things around in that regard. But, yeah, this was a pretty dominant performance out of Optic and something that the uh, green wall is probably happy about seeing heading into the holiday break. I just saw this, but this was Scrap's tweet um, after beating Carolina. GG's London or whatever their name is now one three zero Tombstone pile drive them to the bottom of hell. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, uh, I think he took quite a bit of satisfaction out of beating Clayster and the Royal Ravens, but yeah, that was that's good. I love I love that. That's it's incredible. Um, next match, uh, Battle of LA, LAG versus LAT. Um, we both picked LAT, but we're both idiots because LAG has. They have like some magic there that they could be the worst team in the world, which I don't know if they are this year, but they could be, and they would probably still beat the Thieves. Um, 3-0 Gorillas, which is just incredible that everybody's been talking really, really recklessly about the Gorillas, and they came out, and um, aside from, uh, you know, it wasn't like a super uh, wide result, but it was a, a pretty dominant control um, it you know it was forty one or uh, forty four points on hard point, and then it, they won a round eleven search. Uh, really strong performance from the Gorillas, and especially Fame one point three three KD. What are your thoughts on this? Because LAT moves to one and three on the season um, now that they have lost to LAG, and LAG get their first win uh, with this new roster. Yeah, I, I brought it up during the prediction segment of the last show, saying that it feels you know without knowing the actual numbers that. Uh, it feels like the uh, LAG has won the Battle of LA against LAT more often than not, uh, historically. And this was another example. We both win with LAT, but we missed the writing on the wall there. That was There was that super close match with New York that LAG had in the last week, and that probably should have been a bitter indicator of what this LAG team is capable of. And uh, they came out and proved a lot of doubters wrong and, and got this win here. It's pretty... Uh, convincing the the first map went the time on on sub base which we saw earlier in the Toronto Carolina series too. Uh, it was a six five in in the search, but a three zero in the control. And uh, most notably, we mentioned earlier there that uh, Journey was the first player to drop forty kills, but then Diamond Con and Fame both had forty kills in map one. Mm -hmm. um, pretty impressive that they both had 40 in the same map. It wasn't, you know, like just one player dropping 40. It was two players on the same team. Um, so pretty strong performance there. And um, I, I can't remember who was commentating that game, but it might have been Chance and Miles. But regardless, they were kind of alluding to like this upcoming patch uh, might be impacting spawns and, and might, you know, set the bar to where now it might be harder to see another performance like this. And this might be uh, the kill mark of, of 40 that stands for the rest of MW3, but you know, with map changes, future updates, all that, we'll have to wait and see. But um, for now, that that's the mark for an individual map, and um, definitely a couple names. If if you had to pick three names coming into the season to be the first players to drop 40, I don't think a lot of people would have had Journey, Fame, and Diamond Con as the first three players to come to mind. They might not have even been in the top 10. You know, mm -hmm. you get you got guys like Hydra and Simp, Beezy, just a ton of different guys you would probably prioritize over that. So shout out to them for those performances, uh, and shout out LAG. You know. Uh, a strong win here to, um, you know, get on the board early and take another battle of LA. Yeah, someone's still got to take Simp's 42 kill record in control. Um, so you know these guys are gonna have to step up a little bit more to to pull that away from him. Um, but 
I think a, a sub base hard point is like the perfect map, especially if it goes down to the wire. I could see someone dropping like forty five kills on that map, especially just how small it can be in in some of those uh, those hills. Um, but uh, I just looked it up. Uh, I'm pretty sure LAG are six and one against LAT all time, which is ridiculous <laughs> considering LAT has won a world championship and been one of the best teams since they've entered the league. And LAG has made champs once, maybe. I don't. I don't even know. Like they're, they have to be in like the bottom three worst franchises in the CDL in terms of like overall record. Um, obviously they have that yeah. major two win, yeah. but that's, they, they didn't even make oh. champs that year. So I, I think that they're definitely near the bottom with like the Legion and maybe the surge have come, uh, come up, but they were definitely, uh, one of the worst in the beginning phases as well. Um, but yeah, LAG just have LAT's number, uh, despite the rosters, it doesn't seem to matter very much. Um, last match of the weekend, last match before the holiday break, the Toronto Ultra versus the Boston Breach, a match that neither one of us thought too much about. We were both going to go with the Ultra no matter what. Um, it it even seemed after Toronto's very dominant, uh, their their win over Carolina uh, earlier in the week, that it would probably stay the same, that Toronto would beat Boston and Boston would continue to slide. Toronto would uh, solidify themselves as one of the best teams in the league. It did not turn out that way. A 3-0 win for the breach, which is one of the more surprising results so far this year. Um, it wasn't super close either, which is even more surprising. Envoy had one of the worst series so far, 31 and 65 across the three maps with a for a uh, for a 0.48 KD, um, and then Snoopy on the other side dropping 75 kills in the series, 1.39 KD. Um, almost over 11,000 damage, Capsidal nearly 12k damage. Um, your thoughts on this because this is just it's stunning to me. Yeah, I mean, I was completely flabbergasted with this one and just unexpected, um, especially given the context of the results. With, like you mm -hmm. said, Toronto won their match before this 3 0, you know, it is against Carolina, but still, and then Boston lost their match against LAT 3 0 before this. That's the same LAT that just lost 3-0 right before this match to LAG. So I don't really know what's going on in this like weird configuration of teams playing the yeah. other teams and winning and losing. But whatever it is here, you know, shout out Boston for pulling off this win. Uh, Might have been a reality check for Toronto in terms of where they are. I still think Toronto's a really strong team and a contender. But obviously, Boston was able to do something right here to get a win against a team that looked pretty dominant heading into this one. So, um Definitely more interested in seeing Toronto stack up against, you know, Atlanta, Phase, uh, Optic, yeah, um, New York. But um, this is definitely a surprising one. And I, I didn't look at the exact numbers, like you said, but maybe that recipe for success uh, for Boston is going to be, you know, the, the Snoopy and Capsidal duo, they're popping off. And then Rista and Slasher being the fundamental guys, the vets doing what the, you know, the little things that need to be done and letting those young guys just go off and fry. Um, is that a consistent recipe for success? We'll have to wait and see. Um, because, you know, if you're relying on, on Capsule and, and Snoopy to go off and they have an off series, then, you know, that you know, kind of might not sound great on paper, but, um, you know, all that matters is they were able to go off in this one and they were able to get a much needed W uh, to round out the second week of online qualifiers, especially considering Boston is uh, hosting this first major coming up next month. So uh, they're, they're going to want to have as many matches as possible in front of the, their home crowd. And, you know, starting in the loser bracket just, you know, minimizes their chances of doing that. So uh, an important victory here in what might be, you know, considered by many people to be an upset. So, uh, Good job by Boston. We'll have to see how Toronto responds after the break. Yeah. Um, since we don't have any predictions, I will say that our pick em, uh, we both had the same record uh, for this week. We both went 7-3. Um, we had perfect uh, Saturdays, each of us, um, and then LAT and Toronto really tanked us on Sunday, but we both picked those. Um, I picked Seattle against Optic, and I was – or no, I picked Optic yeah. against Seattle. You picked Seattle. Um, so you're wrong on that, but I picked Vegas – 
uh, over Miami. So that, I was wrong on that. So that was uh, the way it goes. So I am 17 and four on the season. You're 14 and seven um, through the first few weeks of the CDL. And, you know, obviously we're having this big break. Uh, so we're not going to do predictions on this show. We'll wait until we're back, until the CDL is a little bit closer, and then we can do predictions uh, you know, before then. Because who knows? We might get roster changes over the holiday break. It would not surprise me. Do you think that'll happen? I, I saw a few people talking about it that you know this would be the time because you have so much time, um, even with the holidays. You have a little bit of a break to get in practice. But do you foresee any team in the CDL making a change before we get back? after the new year i don't think so i mean if it happened i guess i wouldn't be the most surprised in the world um kind of at a point where you've almost seen everything in in the cdl at this point when you think something's going to happen it doesn't and vice versa um i just think it'd be a really limited sample size unless there were major issues behind the scenes that we don't know about um, I would be surprised, but you know, if, if stuff's going on behind the scenes, plus a team has struggled so far in these first two weeks and they want to try and be very proactive, I guess it's not completely out of the realms of possibility, but I still, I still think it's a little too early. Yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't, I, I wouldn't make a change unless, you know, you're for sure, like you're certain that this is not going to work out. I don't really know what changes a lot of these teams could make maybe with challengers being so up in the air nobody's That's... really under contract you know in a challenger scene and you can slot someone in immediately but i i have no idea maybe bring up bants or one of the european guys that has you know kind of been cast aside i'm, I'm not really sure on what would be the best option there that's I mean, it, it's tough too because you don't even know who's like really doing well in the challenger scene because you don't have that to rely on so far this year. And in, in terms of you know previous years, you could watch the cups and whatnot beforehand, but uh, without that, it might be a hard, a little harder to judge talent on this particular game as opposed to just playing off of um, you know a player's career resume. Like not to say that Bance is a bad player in this game because obviously I have no idea. Um, but, you know, guys like him and Gunless who have been around a while, do you pick up someone like them without necessarily having a very good idea of what they are able to do exactly in MW3? Or do you go for another guy like an, an unproven talent who, you know, might not necessarily have the track record of guys like Bance and Gunless, but is apparently frying and scrims and challengers. And then, you know, you bring up questions there like, oh, we, we give them a chance now and... Uh, you know, they, they come in and don't perform right away, then you might be looking at more changes, yada, yada. It's 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 uh, definitely a, a tough decision no matter what you do. So we'll have to see what happens. Yeah. Um, let's look at the standings real quick, uh, and then we can kind of talk about how teams are shaping up and whatnot. I'm going to bring it up on uh, the screen. Uh, so anybody watching on YouTube or watching on Twitch, um, you should be able to see the standings as they are now heading into this break. Um, it's pretty interesting. Obviously, the biggest surprise, the Miami Heretics at the top, uh, tied with FaZe and New York for first place with 30 points. Um, and they and I guess uh, because Heretics hasn't played either of those teams, they technically would have the first place because they have the best map win loss. They have, they're nine and two uh, through three matches, whereas FaZe are nine and three, New York nine and four. Uh, Optic also has 30, um, 30 points, but they've played one additional match. They've lost one of those. Um, Toronto has 20 points, Seattle has 20, and then there are uh, four teams with or five teams with 10 points, LAG, Boston, Vegas, LAT, Carolina, and then Minnesota, the sole winless team, um, despite actually having a better uh, map win-loss record than Carolina because Carolina has um, only three map wins all year. Um, outside of Miami, what would you say is the biggest surprise so far through you know three or four matches for each of these teams? Um, I guess I'd say Boston and LAT, they've had some tough matches, but, um, you know, we kind of both had them in that like middle of the pack group in our, you know, preseason power rankings. Um, so they're just slightly below that necessarily. Um, you know, I obviously picked Carolina as my, uh, you know, dark, dark horse sort of team uh, yeah. heading into the season and, uh, outside of that reverse sweep against 
Vegas, yeah, they 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 haven't performed very well, so that's a little disappointing. But um, I think maybe for other people, seeing Carolina down there at eleven wouldn't be the biggest surprise in the world. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think probably outside of Heretics, obviously uh, Boston and LAT kind of jump out to me. Um, yeah, you look at the outside of Miami, obviously Atlanta, New York, Optic, and Toronto was kind of like the top four we really had for contenders. Um, so that kind of just seems right, and then it's the middle of the pack is kind of chaos. But again, I mean, even to say middle of the pack isn't necessarily right because it's only 20 points separating yeah. Miami and Carolina at this time. So, yeah, I would I would say LAT, um, at least just like the way that they've lost, you know, losing to LAG was surprising to me. Um, I mean, I guess Toronto just. You know, I I figured they'd be three and zero by now, so I guess that's a little bit of a surprise. But, um, you know, I, I forget who said it uh, on Twitter, but they were saying that there's like an actual skill gap this season between like the top four and then the rest. And I think that was right before the Toronto series, so that kind of threw things out of whack because I'm sure that Toronto were um you know probably in that top four before that match. Um, but I, 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 as far as like a tier list goes, um, do you think anything's materially changed for you in terms of where you kind of place these teams? I think we both agreed that Atlanta, New York, Optic, and Toronto were the top four teams heading into the season, at least in our minds or on paper. Uh, obviously, Miami has looked very strong, but I still think for me personally, I would keep Miami out of the top four. Um, yes. I I think I, I I would have to see them beat one of those teams. Then then if that happened, I think then for sure they have a real argument to be in that top four. But I would say that they're solidly in that second tier um, because I have like three, so like one through four, five through eight, and kind of nine through twelve. Um, essentially, what you would do for like a major or what you would do for champs. So I would say that Atlanta, New York, Optic, and Toronto s- still in that top four. I think Seattle has to be in that second tier. Miami has to be um, that the final two spots in that second tier are kind of tough though, because we've seen all of these teams aside from Minnesota kind of show some promise like LAG's beaten LAT. Um, Vegas has looked pretty strong, but they lost to Carolina. Carolina has gotten stomped by a few of these teams. Uh, You know, they've lost... Uh, pretty handedly to a few of these teams. Um, so I would probably go with Boston and then maybe Vegas to finish out that second tier and then maybe LAT in that third tier. What do you think? Is there anything different for you as uh, as far as like your preseason tier lists? Yeah, I mean, Miami's the big one. I 100% agree with you, though. I wouldn't put them in the top four just yet. We definitely want to see them take down one of those big dogs that we had on paper. Um, but they would 100% slot right into number five, which is where I wouldn't have had them heading into the season. Mm-hmm. I do want to say I brought it up multiple times, though. Heading into you know CWL era, it was the same sort of deal. A lot of people underestimated them. Uh, they came in, made some noise, and uh, it's looking like they're on pace to do something similar there. But who knows if they're able to actually, you know come out with a championship or anything like that this year time around Mm -hmm. um but regardless i would probably do you know that top four we mentioned then miami at five seattle at six right behind them and then six through 12 after that is kind of just you know a cluster um i would probably have lag higher than where i had them before because i'm pretty sure i had them down at the very bottom um i probably had minnesota in my like seven eight region maybe eight nine i can't remember um, but I would definitely essentially swap them in LAG. Um, but I would probably do it like, you know, the top four, then Miami and Seattle after that, and then the rest of the pack after that in, in no essential order until we get a bigger sample size. Yeah, I think that's probably the right idea to have like a top four, the, the top four that we've been talking about, and then just have Seattle and Miami in their own tier between, yeah. and then you just have everybody else, like the, the teams that are you know, kind of off the map where we don't really know where they're, they're going to be in the next you know month or two. Um, I think that would probably be a good way to, uh, to put it. Um, but it, you know, a super interesting time in the CDO, obviously just going to have this big break. Um, we'll see how some of these teams react. I'm sure some will be better after having some time away, uh, to be with family. And then of course, uh, quite a bit of practice, I'm sure, uh, before we get back to online matches. And then we're going to get 
even more important online matches because the seeding is going to become more apparent. Um, we're going to see which one, uh, which of these teams are, you know, going to fall into that losers bracket. Like Minnesota is really going to have to step it up in this second half of the the qualifiers. Same with Carolina. Um, you, you you can't just like go through these and and keep losing because you're just gonna it's just gonna be a cycle. You're gonna go into the losers bracket and you only have maybe one or two matches and then you're probably going to be out of there. So uh, a lot of these teams are going to have to step it up um, in a major way as we uh, get back to the CDL um, in three or four weeks time. Uh, but yeah, I think that about does it in terms of, um, you know, the, the actual matches that we had to talk about. Um, we had, we, cover the pick them and, and all of that um, and like I said earlier we'll be doing our predictions for the next set of matches um, after the holidays uh, because obviously next week is Christmas the the following week is New Year's um, so we're probably not going to be doing any shows uh, for the next few weeks at least um, but we will be back uh, eventually after the holidays and uh, and we'll be back to our normal schedule once the CDL is back on their normal schedule. Uh, I don't know if you had any other topics or any things you want to talk about uh, before we get out of here. Uh, I think we can just, without doing any predictions, we can kind of look at some of the upcoming matches. There aren't many that stand out. Yeah. Um, but right away, the first match on the Friday, January 12th, that comes up is LAG versus Atlanta. That could be a little more interesting considering how LAG played against New York and LAG winning against Atlanta, or sorry, LAG winning against LA Thieves. So LAG versus Atlanta could be more interesting than some people might expect on paper. Then we have Seattle on Seattle versus Toronto, which is just the third consecutive match for the Seattle squad against one of those top four teams that we mentioned. Uh, and things don't necessarily get any easier for Minnesota. They they kick things right back up against New York. So uh, interesting one there. Uh, on the Saturday, we have Miami versus Seattle. That's kind of, you know, essentially the B tier, the A tier, whatever you want to say, that second tier. We were kind of just talking about those were the both teams we had there. So that'll be another good gauge of where both of those teams are right now. Uh, Boston, LAG, Toronto, LAT, and Optic Vegas. Um, nothing really to write home about in those, in my we opinion. Got the, Boston, maybe a blow it up bowl on Sunday, Minnesota versus Carolina. Uh, that, an that early season blow it up bowl. We don't know, Min be. especially yeah. if Minnesota loses. Like, I they are definitely trending upward as like one of the most likely teams to make a roster change at this point because, like, if they lose another match or two. They would almost like if they lost like two more matches, they'd be almost guaranteed, I'm sure, to go into losers bracket for the major. And then like who knows what um, what happens then? I forget who we picked for the most likely. Um, one one was Miami, which is lo not looking very I, likely. I said Miami, yeah. I think I might have said Boston because they have because they have substitute. But um, yeah, I I don't know. Minnesota is looking a lot more likely now. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, so that's on, on, on the Sunday, we got Vegas versus Atlanta. So Atlanta, you know, on paper, has got LAG in Vegas, which, you know, might, many people might be saying is an easy 2-0 week, but who knows how things are going to shape up. Uh, then Minnesota, Carolina, like you said, New York versus LAT and Boston versus Miami, uh, could be a bit of an interesting one there, uh, depending on how Miami stacks up against Seattle. And, uh, you know, how, how Boston's playing after they go show up against LAG. So uh, not a ton of, you know, high-octane matches coming up, but we'll, we'll talk about these more in-depth next show and uh, give our actual predictions for those as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I think that about does it. Um, like I said, we'll probably be back in two to three weeks. Uh, depends. Um, I... I am planning on making like short little uh, videos. I might put them on the podcast feed, um, just kind of like solo monologues that, so we can have a little bit of content uh, each week um, that we're not here. Um, and I can kind of record them right now or not like right now, but record them over the next few days. And then we could upload them um, instead of a podcast, just so you guys could have a little bit of content um, around the holidays and until we get back um, and on our normal schedule. Um, but of course, uh, have a Merry Christmas to everybody uh, who celebrates. Um, have a Happy New Year's as well. Uh, be safe. Um, enjoy your time with the families. Um, you know, thank you so much for 100 episodes of support. 
Um, like I said at the top of the show, I did not think that we were going to make it 100 episodes because I'm not known for sticking with things. Like I've been with my girlfriend for six years. That's the, definitely the longest commitment I've had. But Bink and I being on a podcast for two years or two and a half years is probably the second longest commitment that I've had to anything. Um, so it's been it's been awesome. Um, I've had a lot of fun doing it. Um, I've definitely felt more connected to the CDL um, because of the podcast. I think ha- had we not done this the last few years, I probably wouldn't. I probably would have zoned out a lot more with um, with the matches and everything. You know, kind of getting back into it around champs, which I think a lot of people do. You know, it, it can be hard to stay focused on the league and and talk about it and just be interested uh, throughout an entire season. But it's definitely helped me um, to to continue to be connected um, to COD Esports and, and just kind of talk about uh, something that I've been following and, and I've loved for, you know, over 10 years. So uh, thank you guys so very much for um, your, your listening or watching uh, wherever you're, you're from. Uh, I know we have a lot of people in the U S but I'm sure there are people in Europe that are listening to us, which is, which is very cool. Uh, we have over 100 subscribers. We passed a hundred this year. Uh, we have every week, uh, at least on Spotify, we have more than a hundred people listening to our podcast, like very consistently. Um, I think it was like, a either the last episode or two episodes ago, I told Bink that it was like in our top five most listened to episodes, um, which was incredible. I think it was maybe two weeks ago, the first one, uh, for this season. Um, so, you know, that's just incredible. I, I wasn't, wasn't expecting um, that. And some of our champs episodes have a lot of listeners and watchers um, or viewers um, on YouTube as well. So uh, again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been uh, a really, really cool experience and uh, you know, hundred down hundred million to go. Maybe we'll be doing this until we're like 75 years old and we'll just be like yelling at each other about COD esports. That would, that would be ideal. Um, but yeah, that does it for me. Bink, take it away. Yep, I I don't know, not quite sure how I'm gonna be able to follow that up, but yeah, I appreciate all the support from you guys. Um, I I never lost faith in being able to hit a hundred. The only way we would have uh, not hit this mark is if Preston given up, because I'm I'm not giving up anytime soon. And um, yeah, I appreciate all all the support you guys have shown us, whether it's in listening form or on YouTube and on uh, all that jazz but it definitely does mean a lot to me it means a lot to both of us and uh we appreciate it so you know like i said earlier 100 down many many more to come and we hope you're all here to go on this journey with us uh as, as you know but seems weird because in episode 100 of where it slots in in the season now that we're about to head into a break but i just know 101 is going to be here before you know it, and it's going to be kicking us off for the true start of the uh, 2024 season with the first matches of the 2024 calendar year. Um, so hope you guys will tune in then. We'll we'll see you when we see you again. And uh, until then, remember to send the chat. Happy holidays.